You're listening to the Parents of Hardworking Teens podcast, episode number 13. And today I'm sharing with you my magic teacher moment story and how it can help your teen turn their assessments from just something to get done to having them actually be useful in achieving better results or in taking a smoother, faster path to great results in every future assessment. I'm Katie Jones, and with over 15 years in education as an award-winning high school teacher, international external examiner, and as a study coach, I've helped thousands of students skyrocket their results and confidence. And this podcast is where I share all my insights, tactics, and tips with you, the parent, so you can help your hardworking team get happy, smart, and successful in their study, and have you both enjoy the journey along the way. This is the Parents of Hardworking Teens podcast. Well, hello, VIPs. Welcome to the grisly world of assessment post-mortems. Now, it's not actually grisly at all, but the alternative title for this would have been something like turning summative assessments into formative learning opportunities. And even I think that sounds pretty dull. Plus... Sometimes adding a little bit of drama really does help things stick. In fact, any kind of emotion attached to an event generally makes it stick in our head. So I'm going to talk about that in next week's episode, sneak preview. (laughs) And really what I'm actually giving you here is also a sneak preview, a bit of a peek inside of what we do in Next Level Coaching or just one of the things that we do in Next Level Coaching. Because this post-mortem type of coaching is one tiny piece of what I work with students on. And the post-mortem name or label that I'm giving to this really does suit the situation. Because when you think about it, most students want an assignment or a speech or an exam or whatever the assessment is, is done and they've had their result back, what do they generally want to do? They just want to bury it. (laughs) They don't want to look at it again. They don't want to reread it, either because they got a great mark and that likely took them hours, days, weeks of writing or editing or revising to produce that. So they've probably got those feelings of happiness and pride and perhaps that also comes with a huge wave of relief. Like, thank goodness that all those hours and hours of drafting or editing or cutting or re-editing, proofreading, revising, they were at least worth it for the result. And usually by this time, there is something else on the to-do list. And so it's just a case of move on and get onto the next task that is looming. And that's how I see students bury a completed task when it's gone well. But of course, there's also that situation when it maybe hasn't gone so well. Maybe they got what they felt was an okay result, or maybe it was a disappointing result for them. And notice I choose those words carefully because what one student is super pleased with could be okay to another and disappointing to another. Or you might think that their result is perfectly good, great even, but they were aiming for something higher. So... They certainly, in that situation, just want to bury that whole experience and the feelings that it brings up for them and move on. And here's the third scenario that I see where 
You as the parent, and maybe their teachers also, know that your teen is capable of more and you just wish that they could see it and believe it and go after it as well. But they're happy just sort of sitting at whatever the grade is that they just got. They say that they are happy. That's in inverted commas, <laughs> doing the inverted commas mark with my fingers. Because often, deep down, it's more like resignation. They think that they're happy to stay at their current grade or level, and they tell themselves that they don't really want to aim for more because of their perceived risk of failing if they go for it, or because they just don't believe that there's any way that they'll get it. And I'll hear students say things, or more likely think things like, okay, I'm just a BC grade kind of student. And I used to think this as a student. I don't think I ever said it out loud either, but I definitely used to think of myself as a B plus student. I was a hard worker. I wanted those A's, but in terms of what I was getting, not what I was capable of getting, I was through high school and college, a solid B plus student. And when this is the situation, like they just want to get that pass mark, you're there wishing they were either more confident or more motivated to aim higher for themselves. Not necessarily for the number or the letter on the paper, but for what that means for them. Maybe it's more options or opportunities for their next steps, more confidence and self-belief, more opportunities for celebrations and moments of success for them to experience. But for them, as long as they got the mark that they'd resign themselves to, they're happy, there's those quote marks again, and the whole thing just gets forgotten about. But I don't want them to bury that assessment, no matter what the result. I want us to do a post-mortem on it. Open it up and look inside. Figure out the cause of death or the cause of success. <laughs> Whether we're going to be finding unicorns and rainbows and Care Bears, <laughs> they seem to have made some sort of comeback lately. I'm not sure what that is about, but I kind of like it. <laughs> or whether we're going to find storm clouds and weeds. Either way, we want to know. We want to know what got your teen marks and why they missed certain marks. I remember one of my 10WGT students telling me about the A that they got for their latest physics assignment. And after the celebratory and congratulatory wishes, I got straight to that important question. You know me, I don't skirt around the important stuff. I asked, do you know why you got it? And do you know exactly what in your work meant you hit those criteria? And he was very honest and told me that no, he wasn't totally sure. So that's what I encourage you to ask your teen, whatever their result is. On a scale of 1 to 10, how clear are they on what got them that result? Could they explain exactly where they got or where they missed marks and why? So that's something that I really encourage students to submit for coaching on our coaching calls. I will sometimes have students or parents say to me, well, they haven't really got any assessments that they're working on right now. So that's why they're not requesting any coaching or coming to a call. And I always tell them there is never a time when students don't have something that they can be coached on. So they need to go find a previous completed exam paper or assignment or whatever it is. And we will go through exactly what got them the result that they got. So that students who are creating success really 
really understand how and why they are doing it, how they can continue to do it, maybe even make it more efficient to do so by optimizing what they're already doing to maintain those results, but working and stressing less along the way. And so students can fix up areas where they are not doing that. Exactly what is preventing them from hitting the top criteria or getting top results? Where are they including things that actually aren't needed? And how could they up-level their either level of detail or synthesis or whatever it is that is needed. And here is the key to doing this. It comes down to one of the two words that we hinge everything on in next level. And those are how and why. And in this case, for reviewing completed tasks, doing those postmortems, it's all about the why. Why did they get that result? Specifically, what is it in their writing or the design or whatever it is that they've produced? What is it in there that has met certain criteria and where have certain criteria perhaps been missed? In other words, what counted as them having achieved that criteria? What was it in their writing or in their presentation that meant that their tick was put in against that criteria? What was required that they didn't have, especially if there was a place where they thought they did have it? And what did they include that wasn't needed or didn't earn them any credit? And on that note of not earning them credit... Back when I was teaching in England, I had this one time not long after I'd gotten into exam board work and I was marking a full class of practice exams. I think it might have even been their mock exams, actually. And this isn't the magic teacher moment that I mentioned in the intro. I will get to that in a bit. But this is a really good example. And I think I got about halfway through the papers And I was seeing so many places where students were writing stuff in their answers that just wasn't gaining them any credit. And remember, because I'd started working with exam boards, I was like really on top of this stuff now. And that information that they were including, it might have been factually correct, but it wasn't required. Or it was outside of the scope of what the question was really asking for. Or they were hedging their bets, trying to include extra information, or just to be impressive and show that they've learned it. Or they were, this is a common one, remaking a point that they'd already made, especially in those extended responses and essays. Because something I'm always reminding students of is that you can't get the same marks twice. So I got a couple of highlighters out and as I marked all of the remaining questions, I highlighted in pink anything that was not needed or was not getting them credit. And then the stuff that was actually getting the marks, I highlighted in blue. Now, luckily, I tend to mark question by question for an exam paper. So I mark like all of question one for the whole class and then all of question two. And I have been told at examiner training that that isn't the fastest way, but it is just how my brain tends to work best. So it's definitely fastest for me. So when I say I was about halfway through the marking, I was halfway through each student's paper, not halfway through the class. So I could then do this for every student. And when you flick through all of the pages and pages of their papers... Their colours were about half and half. So very colourful and pretty to look at, but not so pretty in terms of their exam technique. And so then in the next lesson, I handed them all back and we spent the lesson dissecting 
and understanding what was going on with all of that blue and pink. And I even had them actually have a go at some of this themselves on those earlier questions in the first half of their paper, given what we had just gone through. Could they decide for themselves in earlier questions what parts they had written that got the marks and what parts maybe were wrong, but also just maybe weren't needed or were just extra words that they were including that they didn't need to. Now, you're probably seeing the value in some of this, but I can tell you, (laughs) your teenager is most likely going to say or certainly be thinking, well, what is the point of knowing how I can improve that answer or that assignment or report or essay when it's not like I'm actually going to get that exact same question again? Or I'm not going to just be able to re-give it in and the teacher's going to completely remark it and give me a better grade. And they are right. They're correct. They aren't going to get that exact same exam question ever again. They won't write the same essay again, or at least it's highly unlikely. And that's where I want to make something really clear. This is not about knowing exactly what to write differently. It's about the skills, the strategies, the techniques of dissecting questions and how to respond to them, along with aligning that to the mark schemes and the criteria. It's about those universal skills that can be applied to any subject and any type of assessment. It is not about how to write a better answer to that exact question. Instead, it's the important skills that can be truly carried forward to all future tasks. And these are things like figuring out what really counts as detailed versus counts as discerning and why. Understanding whether they really did cover all three steps of analysis and did they do it clearly and succinctly without the marker having to read any more meaning or make any extra connections within their writing. And are they able to do that in a way where their work sounds sophisticated, but is not overly wordy or verbose? Can they add the detail whilst also staying succinct? It's about knowing how to use the wording of a question to mentally predict the mark scheme. It's about them knowing what types of contextual information is not required in an essay introduction or how to make a conclusion, do more than just recap the three or four main key points in their body paragraphs and how to use these strategies for any task, any topic and any subject. And that is what brings me to my magic teacher moment. Now, of course, I have had a few in my time, but this one is exactly what this podcast episode is all about. So I was teaching a year 11 class in the Sydney school that I actually was first at when I first moved over to Australia. And I had them do a practice exam, which was an essay response from a past paper. And then I went away and marked it. And this was the lesson where I was handing it back to them. And as you probably guessed by now, I wasn't just handing it back. They look at their mark and then we move on. As usual, I'd gotten a little bit carried away and I had anonymized and photocopied particular paragraphs or sections of different students' responses so that we could actually go through this and together break down the wording of the different criteria on the mark scheme related to ways that some students had totally nailed it with those photocopied examples, showing ways that some students hadn't 
and where those critical differences were compared to those that had and basically getting them skilled in then also finding examples for themselves in other anonymized items or their own writing where they had met or really nailed a criteria, where they had missed something on the criteria and for what reason, what would be required to up-level it to actually meet it and where had they included things that weren't actually earning them any credit. Now, as you can tell, by the way, I talk about this, I find this like really exciting (laughs) and really insightful. But I know that, of course, this is not going to sound so exciting to all students. And what happened was about two thirds of the way through this lesson, one student kind of like slapped both her hands flat on her desk and she just said, miss. And I was, of course, like, "Uh oh, (laughs) what is she about to say? And she said, miss, this is gold. And at first, I was kind of, you know, a little bit taken aback, a little bit surprised, because like I say, most students don't want to do this whole post-mortem thing. But then when I replied with, oh, okay, that's great. I'm really glad that this is really helpful. And we got into a bit of a conversation with the rest of the class. It was another one of those moments that showed me just how little students are really taught any of this and how valuable it actually really is to them even if they don't want to do it, but they're kind of forced to because I'm doing it with them in class, it really was so valuable. Now, I know that, of course, the perfect ending to that story would have been that, hey, that evening I got home and decided to launch Rock Solid Study and started creating the 10-week grade transformation program. But it's not as romantic as that. It took me another couple of years of being like hit over the head with these moments as I taught these skills whenever or wherever I could fit them in, use them in my tutoring, and eventually, eventually (laughs) figured out that this was where I could really help students in the biggest way. And so here we are, here I am doing exactly that. So if you'd like your teen to learn these skills, get trained by me in the 10-week grade transformation program, then you can go and check that out at the Rock Solid Study website. Click on the program menu tab there. Or if they are already a 10WGT graduate, then they're not already with us in Next Level Coaching, where we action and apply everything and really up-level their independence and optimize the way that they're using these skills, then go ahead and send me an email, support at rocksolidstudy.com, and we will send you the details. So I hope that you have enjoyed learning about how your team can do a post-mortem on any task, exam, or assignment that they have already completed. And more importantly, why it's so important to do them and how this process will really help them to complete every task in the future more clearly, more competently, and successfully. So remember, I'm taking your questions at the moment for our once a month Q&A episodes. So keep those coming. Support at rocksolidstudy.com. I've had some really good ones already. I hope you have a fantastic week. I hope it's full of rainbows and care bears and other great things. And I will see you back here next week. If you're ready to have your teen achieve their best possible results with less stress, then I want to invite you to enroll them in the 10-week grade transformation program, where they're going to learn the key concepts, skills, and strategies to catapult their performance in assessments and exams. It's risk-free. They either achieve bigger and better results with a whole lot more confidence in 10 weeks, or we refund you in full. Just head over to www.rocksolidstudy.com 
forward slash program and I'll see you there.